You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to Rain Stop Play and welcome to yet another pre-roll voice note to just clear a few things up before we get into this week's pod. Uh, for those of you who listened on Friday, you'd have heard a shorter half an hour episode uh, that basically just covered the news from the previous week. Uh, and this was because we tried to record both podcasts together, this one and Friday's one, and it became too long. So we split it in half and we've released them at separate times. So what you'll be enjoying now is our full 100 preview where we preview all eight teams, men's and women's, as well as have a big chat about what is the 100, you know, the big discoursey bit. So that's what's coming up now. There'll be no usual introduction. This will cut straight into our chat about the 100 because we didn't know we were going to do this at the time. Uh, so yeah, it'll be straight to us talking about the 100 and our hour-long special comes up now. So thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Let's talk about the 100. We're already a little bit stressed out, I think, about the general cricketing nonsense going on around the world at the minute. But let's let's start. I'm going to really quickly run everybody through what the 100 is, right? I'm talking like on the field. And then we're gonna, we can talk about, you know, what it is, if you, you know, is in italics. We can go on to that in, in, in a minute. So the 100 is a new format of cricket. It's the new shortest format of cricket. Um, again, the ECB came up with T20 cricket and now they've come up with 100. Uh, 100 balls being bowled um, and the team with the most runs wins. I'm being real, real easy now. That That's that's the base of it. Um, balls won't be counted by overs. Instead, um, a bowler will have an option to bowl five or 10 deliveries consecutively. So you won't hear the word overs at all during the 100. And the game split up to easy five and tens then. Uh, there'll be a power play for the first 25 balls, which allows two fielders to be outside the circle. The bowling team then gets the option of a two and a half minute time out to take, I think, after the power play, um, you know, to talk, to talk strategy, to talk, you know, whatever, to talk about dinner in the evening. Eight city franchises with a men's and a women's team, uh, both of who consist of 15 players. Uh, one England Red Bull contracted player for each for each side. Uh, and then 14 others were drafted in, you know, some time ago. Uh, they're allowed three overseas players each. Uh, it starts on July 21st, um, finishes on August 21st. The women's and the men's game will run concurrently. Uh, and Jake Bug is headlining Trent Bridge for some reason at some point. 
Okay, right. I think that that's what's going to happen on the field for the next month. Um, lads, are we excited about the 100? Um, is this a car crash waiting to happen, as Will so eloquently asked earlier? Um, I'm, I'm going to just start. I'm going to start with Glenn because you're in the funniest, most miserable mood right now. So I can't wait to hear what you think about this. Um, is it going to work? And what what is the 100 in that, you know, italic bold is? What What's the point? Yeah, I mean, I guess that is the question, isn't it? What is the point? We have an incredibly viable short format game, the T20 Blast, which we have discussed on previous pods, does not get the um, time or attention it deserves. And actually the the quality of cricket in there can be exceptional. And there are world-class players across it. Um, I mean, I think the origins of this from what I read on my, I think I was on my 12th dreadful preview of this just before we got onto the pod, there was like a survey there's like a survey that the ECB did about 100,000 people and they said that the majority of people who watch cricket are basically middle class 50 year old white blokes and they're like well we actually want to diversify it that is our reasoning for starting this and I I mean for me the problems you know are pretty fundamental but I mean they start with the teams I mean the way that they've wrapped up for example Welsh Fire um, that's that's three teams that's Gloucestershire, Gamorgan, um, Somerset all three of them, and I mean, Gloucestershire and Somerset are excellent cricket counties in their own right and supported wonderfully. Uh, you know, home and away, uh, I mean, I'm a Somerset fan and, and Taunton always fills up. T20s are sold out. It's impossible to get T20 tickets. To take that core of cricket, that pre-existing cricket core, and there's already, you know, there are young people at those T20s. There are women. I know there are still more men. Um, that's still the majority of the audience, but they are pretty diverse, um, or at least they can be. And to, to basically not even give them the option of this stupid tournament is just is just ludicrous. So, I mean, it's a running joke on our group chat. What what team do I support? Because I don't have one to support. I don't care about these new fictional teams that are nowhere near me that I'm not going to get in a car and drive like two hours to see Welsh fire. And what on earth? I mean, what on earth is that about? So I think they've really in an attempt to, you know, be new and innovative. And I'm sure that's a pretty horrible word they've thrown around. They've basically just just discarded county cricket's entire tradition by making these new teams which people have absolutely no um no ties to um i think for me that is what that's one of the main things i think if they were going to do this there needs to be there needs to be more teams there needs to be more options to actually watch it um but i mean the problems uh are myriad i mean i I could complain all day about it but it's just like it's just it just feels it's been marketed horrifically as well the adverts are just insulting to anyone who's ever seen cricket before they're cringe to a, to an extent I've never seen before, they're pitiful. Um, the the actual the actual um, organisation of doing the players, the draft, which as we know, we've had whole episodes on this about the IPL draft and how it's an exciting moment and people watching the country. I, mean, I don't know if they did in like a someone's basement or in like I don't know the back door of Morrison's or something, but I don't know anything about the draft. It's just c- complete nonsense. Um, I, I, it's just a waste of everyone's time and I can't wait for it to fail and I don't feel very well. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I build off your point then on, on the audience thing? I think that's the thing we need to start on first. Um, it's obviously not aimed at us to start and that's fine. Cricket, We're not gatekeeping cricket here as much as I'd like to. But I agree with your fundamental point that who it, who is it marketed at? There's a cracking piece in The Cricketer uh, by Sam Moorshead. I don't know when this was published. They refused to put a date on things on the website for some reason. But he tries to investigate what the audience actually is, taking little snippets of quotes from uh, Andrew Strauss, um, the chief executive of the ECB, Tom Harrison, 
and he can't quite find out who it is either. Um, he thinks it's, I mean, he uses, he's clearly on your side of the argument here, Glenn. He uses some quite interesting vocabulary. His conclusion came that the audience is people who aren't cricket fans don't follow a team and have the attention span of a concussed goldfish. That's, that's where it seems his advertising is going at. So, Will, I ask you, who is this aimed at and are they going to do it successfully? I think you're right that that is the nub of the question. And while I think we're all going to end up at basically the same point of there are some pretty structural failures with the 100 and it is all a bit silly, I do disagree with a few points that Glenn made as to that point of who is the audience. First of all, on the point about... <laughs> Do we identify with teams? And Glenn very articulately, you know, phrases, you know, they have clumped together big groups into these weird new identities, which don't really make sense and aren't, don't comply with traditional cricket county teams. And that's a fair point. And obviously, if you grow up as a county supporter, uh, you're going to have that traditional identification. And nobody for one second would suggest changing the county team so that they represent cities and countries in the case of Wales, which is a bit too big, obviously. But the opposite is also true. So I'm, I'm quoting here from a Telegraph article about what the ECB are saying about it. And they said their research showed two and a half times more people identify with a city rather than their county. And that 75% of families say they prefer short games that finish by 9 p.m. Um, we said exactly the same thing when we were doing our IPL pod, that if you're watching on English time, it was actually all right, it was quite good fun, basically wrote up the whole afternoon watching cricket. If you're on India time, a lot of the games were finishing something like 11.30 p.m., sometimes towards midnight. And it was a bit too late for that audience. And that's why they kept trying to bring in these restrictions to keep innings a bit tighter. Um, I personally can, I, I can identify with, with the sort of county versus city point, because one reason that I'm probably not a big follower of the English county game compared to international cricket and other things is I never lived in a place growing up where I had a local county team. I lived, I, I was born in kind of suburban southwest London, so I was, my closest would have been the Oval, but I always hated Surrey, then moved up to Hertfordshire where there wasn't a county team anywhere near me. Um, even when we, we used to, me and Glenn, Dan used to live down nearby Hove, even then, I'd probably have identified with that team more if it was Brighton and Hove, more so than if it was Sussex, because I've never been to the vast majority of places in the county of Sussex. And I think that is true for especially a young less cricket fan audience who mostly live in cities or big towns around cities. So I think there's an there's an element of something there. I also disagree with the idea that there need to be more teams because one of the problems that I think this is trying to solve is that the blast compared to the other big franchise leagues around the world has more teams. And that means your talent is spread much thinner. And if we want the attraction to be, you can go to your local ground and you're going to be able to see big international stars, Kane Williamson, Joe Root's going to be around then you need to spread it not across 16 or 18 teams. It needs to be over eight or 10, realistically. So I have an element of sympathy for what they're trying to do on the team front. Can I just, I, I, I agree with your points. However, I'm trying to see, a city is mentioned three times in, in eight names, if you're talking about identity. So I, I see that that's what the ECB are trying to solve, yet they've still failed to sort of do that by naming these teams. And I, I it just there's just little common sense things that aren't quite adding up here despite their intentions right a hundred percent and i think an ongoing theme throughout this whole podcast is going to be the gaping gap bigger than johnny bairstow's bat pad between <laughs> what they're trying to do and execution and just real quick i am intrigued i think you made some excellent points there well i i, I think you, you've raised some excellent um contrast to what i was saying i think there is some truth to there being an overwhelming amount of teams in cricket i'm just intrigued I think from the group chat that you'll be supporting London Spirit. Is that correct? 
<laughs> this is like Paxman. Yeah, yeah I, yes, I think I've ended up at London Spirit. Yeah, largely and, by default. <laughs> and, but what, what, what ground do you live a probably 10-minute public transport journey towards? Yeah, that that would that would be the oval home of the oval invincibles. <laughs> and Sorry, can, can we use can we use their full names, please? The yeah. Tyr- Tyrrells, London Spirit, and the is it KP KP Oval, oval Invincibles? Okay, thank you. Sorry, so Glenn, Continue. What was what was your decision making? Because if you don't like Surrey, which is fair enough, this isn't Surrey. This is the Oval Invincibles. Why wouldn't you support that? And well. Because it is Surrey, isn't it? And we all know this. I'm not. I'm. I'm oh, not I think paying. Was right. I'm, it's I'm, it, not, it? I'm not paying my ten pounds to go watch three currents. Ever. <laughs> I can't. But you still with will that. be. And here's another issue with them trying to differentiate this that we'll come on to more in the players. Is you know the southern the southern brave is all your Sussex Hampshire players. The oval is just all the Surrey players anyway. It, it seems to kind of fall in that direction. Um, okay, we'll get that in a minute. Zach, what do you think about the tournament personally? Um, you know, are you looking forward to it? Is it going to be a car crash? And what, what do you think the ECB are trying to solve here? Because they wouldn't have brought it about if they were trying to do something a bit different here. What do you think that is? I I agree with lots of what Will said. I agree with lots of what Glenn said. That's I can nuts. see both sides of it being from Somerset, but living in Leeds. So I do have a, like, we we have a team here. It's not called Leeds. It's called the you know, northern superchargers just north, again again it was that supposed to bring cumbria in as well you know it's, it's just northern and they are the, yeah. the they're the pop chips northern superchargers also, which have got the best crisps hence i think you, you're doing well already yeah but not the not the only team in the north because if it was the only team in the north that would be a bit silly wouldn't it because that would consider the north's cricketing not tradition the only team in the north yet they're called the northern supercharger they're everything above sort of darling yeah but to build on to build on what what Will said about what the ECB are trying to do, I think another thing they've mentioned is to bring in the groups the groups of people that more groups of people that don't identify with county cricket. For example, in Yorkshire, there's a big South Asian community, but you go to a T20 Blast game and there really aren't very many South Asian people there. But if you play cricket in Leeds, you know half half the team will be will be people from you know Asian origins, and like that's I think like that they don't. I, you know, Yorkshire has lots of problems with uh, racist incidents. You know, there's there's ongoing investigations and that could be partly behind it. And this new team that, you know, again, Northern Superchargers, it's not a city, maybe identifying it. If it was Leeds, it would bring those people. In. It's what they're, again, it's like what Will said, what they're trying to do and what they have done is a big difference there. Yeah, I'll just say one more thing. I think that's I think that's an excellent point as well. And I think you got it. You, you got it pretty right earlier. Dan, when you said like this, this tournament isn't necessarily marketed towards us. We are not the group of people they're necessarily trying to reach. That's an excellent point. I think one of my other fundamental frustrations with this is that the cricket calendar is already, and we're going to get onto this in, in the next couple of minutes, is already oversaturated. Um, and this basically relegates the 50 over tournament, which again, there's, there's absolutely uh, differences within representation of fans in county games. I completely agree. Um, and I'm completely with you all on that. But it relegates what is quite a family-friendly competition. I know it's quite long. It, it's probably not a introduce you to cricket by watching seven, eight hours of it. It's not quite that. But when I've been to um, you know one-day games at Somerset, again, always usually pretty busy and a lot more younger people. I'd say almost almost even from my experience. The T20 seems to, and it's a decent criticism of T20, have it's taken on a bit of a laddish 
occasionally toxic atmospheric grounds is seen more of a drinking thing than a cricket thing and that's a very valid criticism of t20 but i do think odi well not not, not international but one day cricket domestically can straddle the gap between the two and it is really family friendly and what they've done is they've relegated that to between between 100 injuries covid they've relegated that to something like c teams and there's even concerns about whether that's even going to be a viable competition to go on so i think the fact they've plonked this right on top of that they've basically told us to ignore the t20 blast and there's going to be no county championship cricket at all in the peak of summer these are the probably other fundamental issues i have with it i do think there are however some some pros in the sense that if you do reach communities that aren't represented at games, that is obviously a net positive. But I, I think it's the structure of it that's frustrating me. So I absolutely agree with what Glenn's saying. One final point on this before we move on about who is the audience for this. If you want to grow a bigger, more diverse cricket fan base, one of the things, of course, you have to do is reach new communities, new audiences, bring new people in. But the other side of that is you have to secure your base and you've got to give people who actually like cricket and watch cricket who will be 60%, 70% of the people who switch the TV on for for game number one, you have to also give those people a reason to be there. And so far, as Glenn has said, all of the marketing is very cringe towards existing cricket fans. They've disrupted the existing schedule and that's not fostered goodwill. But the only thing I would say in their defense on this, and I think this is what they have to be gambling on, is the only thing that's going to win genuine existing cricket fans round to the tournament at the end of the day will be if on the pitch, it's great quality yeah. cricket. Absolutely. 100%. Spot on, Will. As and exactly, Will, building on what you said, the best and cheapest way to market anything, word of mouth, you know, word of mouth getting around about the thing from your base and you need that. But yeah, the, the quality of the cricket, and I'm sure we're going to come on to the squads and, and stuff, but that's so important to get the, the key core of the fans, because that's what that's what's exciting me about the tournament is that the quality might be really good. Well, that, that's what I, I want to come on to, Zach, is that we will all still watch it, right? There's things to moan about with it, rightly so. And and it's a bit of a meme with the crisps and, and the cringe advertising. And we, we like that, but we're still probably going to watch it. So I think to Will's point, the base, I wonder how much of people, I guess, they will hold on to, you know, five games into the tournament, for example. That There's something to be said for that. Um, I, for one, am happy to see the 50 over cup get just pushed down to like, I hate it. I think it's a better, <laughs> like it's just boring. I've never sat and enjoyed a Royal London fifty. I'm sure Zaka. I'm sure you have, mate. You watching Gloucester, Hampshire? The only person any idea was going on a minute ago. So I'm happy for that to go, and they've got to try and fit it in somewhere. And yeah, let's let's talk about stuff on the pitch because that is where. Sorry, Glenn, do you want to make a little, make a little point? There? I just want to have one rebuttal yeah, on. to that, which is that we're the best ODI team in the world for a reason. Our second eleven has just demolished Pakistan's first team. You're not going to have that quality of cricket two or three years down the road if we no, don't yeah, play it they've domestically. Not, they've not played a Royal London one-day game for 18 months, two years. It, it's good white ball T20 players coming but, in but, and, and but, translating but, it into one-day cricket. Yeah, but the people who just beat Pakistan 3-0 have been doing that. That has been our, our second team who has been playing ODI cricket. I think... I think, well, basically, you're just saying if we give up on it domestically and push it to the corner, then I think that will eventually translate to a much weaker international team, even two years down the line. But do you not think if the 100 is, is successful and the players that will be playing in the Royal London One Day Cup, I don't know why I keep saying Royal London, that's just that's just advertising, isn't it? But if they're playing in domestic in the domestic One Day Cup and they're playing in the 100, you know, doing good things in the 100, um, those skills can translate pretty quickly into a 50 over game. So I, th I think almost could we just replace it anyway? No. I agree to a certain extent, Dan. And there are the players who are playing in the 100 will benefit from that. I agree with that. But then there's players who have been pulled in, for example, Somerset's Will Smead just pulled into a squad. He might get a couple games. 
but he's probably not going to be playing that much. Whereas he's been really good in T20 for the last couple of seasons, hasn't had any four day cricket. It's been really good for the second 11, but this step between could be really good for him as a really promising young batsman. And he's probably just going to spend the next six weeks carrying drinks. I wonder if the ECB have thought about this or not, as in like, are they, are they gambling on the loss of the, the one day cup or, or at least televised with strong squad one day cup? We'll see how it goes over the next two years. Um, but yeah, let's talk about what we think on the pitch. Cause that's going to get us, it's going to do two things. It's going to get us interested in it, seeing a new format. And it's got to also translate for this new audience that we've been talking about, for them to understand it quickly. And, you know, the 100 balls, the removal of the word over and splitting the game into five and 10 ball segments is that attempt to do that, right? What do we think about the format itself? I mean, is it, it's just going to play out like a, like a shortened T20, right? The only thing I'm interested in seeing is, you know, a bowler bowling 10 consecutive deliveries, for example. Otherwise, it all seems pretty similar to me. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of I'm I'm disengaging from the fact it's any different from T20 until I start watching it and start getting used to it. I feel like reading all of these different things they're going to do is just frustrating me and I'm just going to watch it and hope that the quality's good and you know, I'll pick up the kind of rules as I go along. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people will do as well. Um but obviously with the quality you need the players and unfortunately half of them can't make it. Uh out of the hand of the organisers of the hundreds, um, uh, how much will do you think is going to suffer the, the tournament from the loss of most of the Australian players are going to come over? You know, the likes of Kane Williamson who's had to pull out with an injury, even a couple of England lads who won't be playing. The Red Bull contracted England lads that are going to bugger off after two games. Surely, after that point, it's just going to become the blast again, and and just sort of be a a different version of the blast for absolutely no reason. Absolutely. I think that's that's the key massive issue on the pitch side. Even looking through these squads before the pod today, it's hard to pick out a favourite or anyone that I was particularly excited to watch because they're not that deep. They are quite similar to, and, and to the And we've seen them already, the right? And we've, we've seen them already. already. So, so just to run through some of the names that are missing out. So as you said, obviously all the India men are not going anyway because they weren't going to. Mm-hmm. All the England men gone after two or three days and then coming back for a final. So basically missing the whole thing. That's the that's the England test squad. Then you've got the Australians. So Glenn Maxwell and David Warner were going to be there. And Stoyner's gone. Kane Williamson was going to be there, but he's decided to take time off for his injury. Uh, Shahina Freedy was going to be at Birmingham Phoenix. That was looking like a really exciting team. He's pulled out to play in the West Indies Pakistan series. Nathan Coulter-Nile, Jai Richardson, Kagiso Rabada. All big international names, all gone. Same thing on the women's side. So Australia, New Zealand players have pulled out. No Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, Meg Lanning. None of them going to be there. Um, you've got five of the India women's team, which which is good. That's additional bit of quality there. But it means that at the end of the day, a, a lot of the big international names aren't going to be there. And I think there are lessons to be learned from the IPL on this, where there was a conflict, obviously, in the early days of the IPL between who's going to go play in that competition and who's going to prioritize the international game and basically lots of countries in the early days decided to pick a fight with the ipl over it and they lost it and now they all recognize that you have to schedule things around the ipl because players want to go be there whereas from day one of the hundred even once we've now proved the success of franchise tournaments you still get people pulling out to play international series West Indies, Pakistan, without any disrespect to either of those teams if you've got players you don't want to play in the hundred because they're playing in that series how are you going to win that battle with India and Australia a couple of years down the line when you want to have it? That's the battle the 100 is going to lose. 
So I think that's a huge systemic problem, not just for this season, the quality on the pitch, but moving forward, how is it going to be able to sell itself as an international tournament if the players clearly aren't sold? Just just quickly on that, Will, do you think that is adversely affected by the fact, I know obviously COVID's an issue as well as on top of that, but the fact that there's a T20 World Cup coming up this year, do you think that plays a part in it? I don't know that it that it does. I think if anything, a hundred should be given that we've basically said that on the pitch it's basically a T twenty game. I think if anything, that should be quite good preparation for it. I think something something that is interesting in putting um just kind of skimming through that cricket article that you referenced earlier in the pod, um uh Dan, where they really did piece by piece tear it apart. One of the quotes is quite interesting. Um and it said I'm actually putting my like hand hundred marketing cap on here to an extent and like what what would they say in response to this? It's like, well, actually, if you if you have got brand new groups of fans, maybe say some mums, some younger families, even dads who just haven't seen much cricket, they might not arguably recognise those names anyway. So what I think you're going to have this division is the quality of cricket versus the quality of entertainment. Hence, these DJs, these music, music venues. Is it just this kind of spectacle that almost trans... Um, uh, goes past goes past what's actually happening on the pitch um and it's just like this thing to go to that will entertain you and your kids for two hours then you jog on home because if there is i, I mean that will you said it we were doing the preview for this and i was astonished at just the people who are dropping out not only that but the people who won't be sticking around for very long so again i think this is a clear if we if we didn't know it already um the the the, the entertainment um, transcends what's happening on the pitch and they're not going for the established fans because us four saddos are going to be talking about Kane Williamson not going who's that's going to affect people who are going to cricket for the first time will never have heard of him could not care less and will want to see what's on the pitch but but Glenn like that in that case that's no different to the blast you go to a Saturday night blast game half the people they you know they're enjoying it when a six gets hit but that but they're mainly enjoying it because that means flames go up in front of the Western Terrace. At <laughs> and, you know, the chance are great at the player who's fielding on the boundary. And Lockie Ferguson, you know, he was asked lots of funny questions and was responding. But they're not they're not there. for They're there for the spectacle. They're there for the night out with their mates, which, I, you know, might is kind of affected by the fact you can't really have you can't have a night out with your mates at the moment. But. I suppose is that I don't think I don't see that encouraging new fans really. Well, I ju- I just think that this might be seen as maybe potentially this family fa- this family friendly almost sanitized for want of a better word version of the blast, which as I mentioned earlier has become just a little bit laddish and a little bit drink heavy. I know a lot of cricket fans who enjoy one day cricket and love cricket championship don't go to the blast for those reasons. Families might think the same. I mean, we saw the case of hundreds of students running on the pitch just like two, three weeks ago at Edgebaston. I mean, that was embarrassing for T20 as a concept. And I think I'm not even really arguing a point here. I'm just I just guess I'm just weighing up, the, you know, the, what is this going to be? I guess we're previewing it. What will it be? I think, yeah, absolutely. I think families and new fans are obviously going to be at the heart of that. And is the, the standard of cricket going to drop? And if so, is anyone going to care? I think that's kind of what I'm trying to say. I think it's a really good point, actually. And, and the key point of it being the entertainment of the cricket is more important than the quality of the cricket. I don't think that's necessarily Definitely. the same as saying it's only an event. It's about the, the you know, the music and the DJs, whatever. The cricket is still going to matter, but it's it's about it has to be entertaining cricket. And Definitely. I was thinking about this earlier that you know cricket is not blessed with a gluttony of big household names in the way something like football is. Everybody knows who Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi are, even if they they would really prefer not to. Cricket's <laughs> not the same thing, but 
these things don't exist in a vacuum. It's it's all kind of symbiotic and it's about momentum between are cricket fans excited? Is the guy making visuals for the TV excited? Is there a narrative to it? So even if you don't know who Virat Kohli and Kane Williamson are before you stick your TV on to watch the 100, but it comes up and there's a nice graphic and they'll, they'll put some silly music in the background. It's a montage and the, and the presenters can come in and say, this is, this is the two best batsmen in the world. They just play each other in the final. Here they are head to head in the hundred. And you got like a picture of both of them with flames in the background for some reason. Then suddenly as a viewer, you're like, okay, I don't, I had no idea who these people are, but I understand the context. I understand the thing. No one's making that for Liam Livingston against Finn Will Smith. <laughs> but I, I, I think if they had it and it was Ben Stokes versus Joe Root, Ben Stokes and Joe Root, they are household names in this country more than more than more than Virat Kohli and Kate well, certainly more than Kane Williamson is, but, but also probably more than Virat Kohli is. The fact they're not going to be playing for most of it isn't great. And I know the Big Bash has the same thing. There's lots of ex-Australia players who also wouldn't have played in it because they'd have been playing test cricket, who are complaining. Shane Warne often complains that none of the test players play in the Big Bash. And it's a big problem with them trying to market it because they all play in the IPL. And it's kind of this, you know, because of what we've said about, you know, them trying to go against it. So those household names not playing is is going to be big. And I think the household names more from England than international household names is a problem. Especially when you look at the the advertising for it and that Joss Butler's plastered everywhere of Manchester right now. And if you're in Nottingham, I'm sure Joe Root's everywhere. They're all going to be gone then. You know, and you, if, if you're what if you're a genuine non-cricket fan, and all of a sudden you've heard about this new thing called the hundred, and you see that Joss, but you know of Joss Butler and Joe Root, you think, okay, cool, they're behind this, and then you tune in two weeks into the tournament, and they're not playing anymore. It, what what you're going to think it's all a sham? You're going to totally lose interest in that then, and then the ECB have lost the, the ones they're trying to get basically. Quickly, yeah, Ben Stokes is obviously everywhere in Leeds, and is is very is quite famous around Leeds for the Headingley knock in 2019, and he's got picked up by the Leeds team which at the time seemed like a fantastic bit of marketing of continuation of that but yeah like you say isn't well, going to play it. after and that's weeks. just again not their fault but 18 months old now like the, the, the crest of that wave is, is long gone well it kind of is their fault because they sh- they rescheduled it after COVID they could have put it wherever they wanted pretty much and they you know they've not done any kind of negotiation to make sure it didn't clash with the test but also I think it's a really really good point that you made and, and to, to do what Glenn just did and try and put my 100 marketing cap on I'm surprised that they didn't respond to that and go, okay, we're not going to have these guys lots of the tournament. But as Zach rightly says, most people at home don't know who these people are anyway, so it doesn't hugely matter. Let's pick like five of your Tom Banton level yep. players yep. and really 100%. pitch them as like the next generation, the big hundred players and do loads of marketing there. Because uh, just getting on what you were saying earlier, do you think that for the non-cricket fan, it doesn't, I know you argue you say it does matter if it's, Coley and Williamson because they can build some narrative there but what if you have no idea who a good cricket player is and you're suddenly introduced to Tom Banton and then you begin to like Tom Banton that they could have done that right they could have gone right they don't know cricket anyway so they don't have to be the star name let's do yeah Tom Banton Liam Livingston the ones that aren't are going to play the most of the tournament I think I think just to jump in they had the opportunity as a brand new tournament to build their own narratives I think that's what Will's getting at and to as you said pick some of the younger players who seem promising yeah if if they're not gonna if if no one knows who they are why pick the people who are going to be there for two three weeks why not pick that kind of middle ground player who is quality I mean I'm I'm trying to think of more Banton is an excellent example of that who is exciting and 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 then you, you pivot and then you put the focus on the players that will be there for 10 weeks or however long it is at least the 10 games and um, and we'll be there till the final. They've kind of gone at it and thought, well, we need to. I think they've got caught in the middle. They got between caught between a rock and a hard place. They said, 
the people who already like cricket will be encouraged that there are established stars in there. And I guess you could argue that if they just did um, players um, who aren't particularly established, that might further alienate some of the established cricket group. But if we go on the assumption that they're not, they've literally said, we'll tune in anyway. We've got nothing else to do with our lives. Some of the classic cricket fans will already watch it. We, re- we really are aiming for these new people. Yeah, elevate some younger voices, um, elevate some players um, who, who represent their communities, who aren't just white cricket players. I mean, that would be pretty helpful as well. Um, and that would be, I think you're spot on. I think that would be a really, uh, that would have been a very savvy way of doing it. They might have just missed the trick there. I think for, for this and for a few other reasons is why I'm actually more excited for the women's tournament than I am the men's tournament because England women aren't playing again till September. So, you know, your Heather Knights, your Catherine Brunts, your Sophie Eccleston, they're playing for the whole thing. And I know there's there's not, if we'd have had the, a few of the Australian women's players as originally billed, that would have been even better. But having a few of the Indian players when, how often do we, you know, how often do we get to see these Indian women cricketers play? Not very often. And, and they're coming off the back of the series. So the, the, <laughs> the narrative can run through that. And perhaps some of the players that were once facing off a week ago are now on the same side. Isn't that interesting? Especially for the um, the people who are enjoying the women's cricket, women and girls especially, who can sort of follow that through to the 100. And that does move us on nicely actually to sort of some more positives to the 100. We've been criticising it for the last half an hour or so. Um got a few things wrong but the the equality within this seems to be good they've had a they started from scratch we're in the era we are now and they've been able to kind of do this right i feel so um equal weighting on the men's and women's games because most of them are in double headers if not all of them right um a, a diverse broadcasting team um that's been announced by the bbc and sky as well as you know equal prize money etc so this is something they're doing right and um you know, I think you make a point that there is the women's tournament is probably the more exciting one to look forward to. Just, just one rebuttal to that is that the pay, the the, the pay brackets are still, you know, horrendously different. But that's oh, are they? Was that, just pri- for, was that just prize money? It's then? just the prize money, yeah, the, the, yeah. So the the, the pay bracket, the lowest, the highest women's pay bracket, I think, is still below the the lowest men's one, which is that's not cool. ideal for. Heather Knight is definitely more of a household name than Will Smead is. You know, Will Smead might be a great household name in ten years' time, but you know, it, it, you know, it doesn't sit quite right. But you know, it is it is a good thing for women's cricket and women's cricket's. You know, with the Rachel Hayho Flint trophies done well, and this equal marketing will lead to more more exposure and hopefully better pay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's a great spin. I'm sure it's what the ECB is saying as well. Um, hopefully they listen. I think it comes with some great ideas. I think we're, in, we're into a job, boys. Um, I think I think that's all the sort of we hate the hundred stuff done and what they're getting wrong. Should we should we look at the teams that are left? You know, the absolute bare bones of these city slash not city slash area teams. Um, let's let's do it like who's our team quote unquote Let, let's you know let's go through the, the pods teams and then we'll come on to the rest of them at the end um zach you started with yours the the northern superchargers playing at headingley of course why they weren't called leeds is beyond me because that their only their only catchment area is leeds right because manchester's got its own team uh durham oh they gotta get durham as well okay well that's their fault so who plays for you have you got any chance of winning I can't. I don't care anymore. Quite frankly, I've I've lost all interest in this part of the pod. 
Yeah, I think the men's team have got a decent chance. The women's team don't have the, I wouldn't say they don't have one of the top teams. I think the men's team could end up in the top three. They've got Faf Duplessis and Chris Lynn, who are, you know, both quite good across the world. Ben Stokes won't play much, but will be quite good. But for the first couple of weeks, they've got some exciting bowlers. I think their bowling attack is what I'm most looking forward to seeing. They've got Bryden Cass, who we've just seen do well for England. David Willey and Adil Rashid, who both won't be involved in the test side. So, you know, they're quite good. And seeing Adil Rashid play cricket is quite nice because I feel like we don't see it. And Yorkshire fans often complain about him not ever playing for Yorkshire. They've also got Jordan Thompson, who I spoke about a couple of weeks ago as being pretty good for Yorkshire. There's a bit of a pinch hitter coming up the order, and but is mainly a bowler. Yeah, it's all right. They've got quite a few Yorkshire players as well. They're very top-heavy with their batting. So I've named those three players. They've also got Adam Lyde and Tom Kohler-Cadmore, who like to bat in the top four in, in T20 cricket. So very top-heavy. Be interested to see how they go. But they've got, yeah, the women's team's not so exciting. Laura Winfield-Hill, who obviously you know, will be very integral to any of their success. They've got Laura Wolvard. Not sure I'm pronouncing that right. The South African. German. There's some German ladies playing. She's South African, so she's oh, got okay. a, yeah. Good a, enough, then. Dutch. Dutch, a Dutch name. And she's got lots of experience in the BBL. She's only 22, but has been playing for South Africa since 2016. So, you know, she'll be exciting to watch, I'm sure. But yeah, that's 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 it. all the super challenges. So I what think you... Men's team, good. Women's team, not so good, I think. So before we carry on, actually, let's talk about, you know, how one could win the 100. Um, there are eight teams. They all play each other twice. No, twice. Must be. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, Come on. it is. It is, right? <laughs> Done our research on the playoff format. Okay, so they all play each other twice, and then top three go through. First is straight into the final, second and third play each other. So at least they don't have an overdrawn playoff format, like all the other American sports and the BBL, as we mentioned. Um Glenn, you've been given the Southern Brave for some reason. Um, I think it's because we gave you them as the kit we're supposed to buy you, but haven't yet. Um, and you're sticking with them, right? That they're, they're your team. And they're, they're also the favourites, right? Yeah, yeah, no, they are. I think uh, before we move on, we do need someone just to double check the rules on the, <laughs> how many times you play each other. I'm now feeling like Should it might check? not be. You've got four home games, four away games, and you play your nearest rival twice. That's all I recall. If we do the maths, I'm that means not you won't play one team once. Right. While so, while someone's googling that, can I stall by saying I I'm slightly more optimistic on the Northern Superchargers than I think Zach is. Go. Because, <laughs> first of all, we love Adil Rashid, but also I have this sneaky suspicion, and this is obviously based on nothing because I've never seen a game of the hundred in my life. But I feel like Chris Lynn might be a hundred player. <laughs> I love this. We're now into so like I yeah, can really a good hundred I... T20 player. I'm not gonna lie. I can really see Chris Lynn is one of my outside chances for the for the top run scorer. He's the classic kind of anytime he plays in the T10 tournament, which is kind of one of those tournaments that's a little bit below the other main T20 tournaments. Like he, he doesn't really do it in the IPL. He's never really done it for Australia. But when he plays in the Big Bash or a tournament that doesn't quite have the bowlers, he's unbelievable. So yeah, I do agree. I do agree. Well, I think he might be really good. But I, I'm hopeful. I've said I think they could make the top three. What makes you say that, though? And this can be... No, sorry, that was a bit rude. <laughs> what makes you say that? But, why, but like, as, we, as we've already mentioned, like, it's, it's just 20 balls shorter than a T20. Like, surely this is just a good T20 player is going to be good at the 100. Or do you reckon he'll get on with it a bit sharper because he knows he's got 20 balls less? I don't know. 
I think Zach's right to highlight the quality of the bowlers as probably the big difference, especially yeah. once all the England lads go away. It's definitely it's going to be levels weaker than than the IPL and, and the BBL in that way, isn't it? The, the BBL maybe not because uh, all of the Aussie Test players never play in that anyway. But the, I feel like Aust- I mean I, this is just I feel like Australia's kind of second string level of bowler is 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 probably slightly better than our second string level of bowler. They seem like they've got a lot of pace bowlers who never quite make it. In the kind of you know the Cameron Jerome, <laughs> as we've said yeah. before, they've got that guy, gets, that guy then gets battered around. No respect <laughs> on it whatsoever. <laughs> Hope Sorry, he's not listening. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's not. <laughs> if you don't know uh, who Cameron so... Jerome is, listen to our podcasts. <laughs> yeah, or just Google, Google Cameron Jerome. I'm gonna say this is a cricket podcast. If you don't know who Cameron Jerome is, Google him. See the clubs he played for. You know, they, they got relegated and promoted a lot of times. Anyway, Glenn, get us back into the cricket, uh, please. Yeah, so there's going to be 32 matches in the league. Each team's going to play four matches at home, four matches away, including in those eights, including the bonus match, um, a second match against the nearest rivals. So they must be playing each other once. Can we, should we all agree on that? Yes, all are, there any, are, are there any half points in this one? Or, or, <laughs> or, okay. I, I hope not. <laughs> what if it's a, a rain, rain dot? What happens if rain stops play? It, Point each? Disband sure. the tournament if, it, if rain stops play? <laughs> Call it a day. Have a socky packet of crisps. <laughs> okay, Imagine so it's down a pool hoop. We're at that stage of the pod now. We're going to be losing it. Fire a damn pool hoop by the third week <laughs> of this competition. So they, so they don't. They play each other once. Yeah, they play each other once, and then their local rival twice. Simple. Yes. It's, it's that's actually, actually very straightforward. That, that, we can't bitch about that. It's what they did in the Big Bash back in the day. But they, at that point, they had, I think they had Hobart being rivals with Perth. So, you know, just so who, who, for example, is Welsh, Welsh Fires? Wales Fires. Welsh Fires. I've heard like, of the I've... famous, the famous Southern Brave Welsh Fire rivalry that's been going That's on for the, centuries. But mate, they're closer to Birmingham than Hampshire. Surely they must be their rivals because Birmingham must be, no, must, they be are, they are their rivals. must be Trent. Birmingham must be Trent because obviously. Oh yeah. So what is it? Manchester and Northern Superchargers, the two London teams, <laughs> Southern Brave and Welsh Fire, <laughs> Birmingham and Trent. <laughs> tragic. Again, that's more of the. I see what you're trying to do, but it doesn't make any sense. It ECB. doesn't quite work. And also, who's? I can't imagine that the, the rivalry between Lords and the Oval is going to be particularly aggressive. Ooh, right. there'll be champagne corks being popped in people's <laughs> eyes. Basically, know it basically, they've just done <laughs> financial that times being turned into Millwall bricks. <laughs> <laughs> they've just done it. They've literally just done it so they can have Lancashire and Yorkshire playing each other multiple times because Leeds and Manchester as cities. No, Zach, you're like using using county names. Stop it. Sorry, Stop. sorry. Stop. Ma- it's not even Leeds. Northern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All Northerners who aren't from Manchester hate Manchester. So That's it's a fine. Glenn, <laughs> can we get back on topic here? You were supposed to tell us why yeah. the Southern Brave are going to be so good. Uh, it's the one thing I can say with conviction um, that as they are now my team it, it only took me a couple of months to decide um, they have a really good team they have a really good team and you can see that the rivalry is so strong between us and Wealth 5 because I wasn't sure who to support until that hour ago so you can tell that deep set rivalry whole image in there. my head of you at home with like a massive whiteboard and bits of string <laughs> running back and forth between every team and pros and cons lists of who you're going to support sorry so yeah so it landed on it landed on the uh, Southern Brave 
Pom bears. Yes. Yeah. It's the, it's the pom bears. My second favorite snacks. That was a factor. Um, they have an excellent team. Uh, they got Devin, Devin Conway, who we saw the majority of the people in the pod saw just a couple of days ago at the Oval. Uh, James Vince, who obviously coming on the back of his hundred. They got Colin DeGronholm, who just came in, who I've seen quite a lot in the blast recently, and he is just absolutely exceptional. I didn't know he was quite so good at T20 level. Uh, Liam Dawson. Quinton de Kock, who's an extremely destructive South African, as we all know. The bowling attack is filthy. Archer, Jordan, Mills, Overton. I mean, what more do you want from that? Danny Briggs is a, is a handy slow left arm. And then my favourite cricketer, Max Waller from Somerset, will be carrying drinks for a couple of weeks. So, <laughs> I really like that they've just decided that Sussex's T20 bowling attack is really good. So we'll just have Sussex's T20 bowling attack. Because isn't it? It's Mills, Archer, Jordan... Even Delway Rawlins is in the squad, who bowls a little bit of spin and be a, a top six batsman. It's it's just Sussex. No Luke Wright, unfortunately, he went elsewhere. No, but, that, a good team. but that's what every that's what every team is. It's like their core county setup, and then, for example, I think Ollie Pope's at Welsh Fire. So that's just, there's just the odd player that doesn't quite match up. Otherwise, it, it's just the squad pretty much. Uh, there was originally where they got to pick, they picked one test player and then they had two, the, the next two players had to be local kind of like rising stars or something. Cause that was when the, the only, the only reason I know about this is because everyone kicked off at Banton being picked up as a Welsh fire, local, like <laughs> rising star. Well, but isn't that, but that again feels like, I don't want to come back to the whole discourse section of the pod, but isn't that the whole thing that kind of will had the idea of that they could have then marketed that rising star as opposed to marketing the Red Bull player? That's that's beside the point. I think they had they did initially before the first year. There was a little bit of marketing that involved those stars. Like they were at that they were at the auction because they'd already been picked up in their right. kit. Oh, there was some there was something there. The auction they they had those stars doing some bits. You know, Bantam was talking about how excited he was to play in Wales with Johnny Bairstow. Oh. But, a trip to Wales with Johnny Bairstow, that sounds wonderful. I think the biggest coup for Wales, well, another point. It feels weird saying Welsh fire. So I keep wanting to say Wales fire. Is that just, that could just be me. I feel like it's just the wrong name entirely. Um, is he's ginger and he matches the kit, right? So not, not Banton, although he's, no, he's dark haired. I've got off topic again. Sorry, Will, we take this tournament very seriously. You're done, with, Will. you're done with your Southern Brave chat. Unless you want to add uh, anything more. Well, just uh, the women. No one's really jumping out from the from the women's side. I mean, uh, Shrubsy, uh, decent pace for Shrubbers. England. Uh, Shrubbers, Wyatt, Wright. Donkey's the breakout star of the uh, the England India series. She's yeah. She's there. No one, pr- no one's screaming. Yeah, this I, is a good I, I think this is one of the mm. best. The best women. I think that's Daniel. I think that's Danny by far Wyatt, the best. Shrub, so, yeah. Really? I, 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 Come on. It, it, I, it's one of the best. My favorite. What my the rest like? Most exciting team. <laughs> You've also got Smitty Mandana as well. One of the Indian players. <laughs> and so not behind his own franchise. <laughs> it's hilarious. No. Well, the thing is, Southern Brave are quite boring because, and I'll say this now so that we can clip it when it when, when it all goes horribly at the end of the tournament, they're so clearly going to win at least one, if not both, of the men's and women's competitions. They're just loaded. They're absolutely loaded, aren't they? Well, I, I mean, Charlotte know. Taylor, um, oh, no, Charlotte, Charlotte Edwards, Charlotte Taylor's a bowler. Charlotte Edwards' coach is, is pretty big as well. I mean, that's one of the reasons uh, I picked him in the end. Two yeah. good coaches. 
Is it so? It's Jai Warden as the men's coach as well, right? Yeah, it's two good, go. good coaches. That is strong Just stuff. Boost. But unfortunately, they're playing at the Hampshire Bowl, the Aegeus Bowl, the Rose Bowl, whatever it's called now. So that's not dead. You know, <laughs> dead not dead, fortress, it? is it really? Get the hotel there for a night. <laughs> fortress Rose Bowl. Two hundred kids there. <laughs> <laughs> Right, Will, you mentioned the top of the pod. Why aren't you an Oval Invincible? Now? Like, what the hell, man? Because <laughs> I hate them. The system. I you hate don't hate them, so they haven't existed until they I know, <laughs> yes, I do. And so that says... with their the rivalry is real. The rivalry yeah. is real. That, that, that says so much about how effective or not their branding has been, that this team doesn't exist, and yet I hate them. They do have the worst logo, that weird little creepy finger. They have, they have the creepy finger. They've got the bloody... <laughs> KP nuts and like a weird green polo shirt. It's Glenn, just... you, couldn't, you couldn't support Oval Invincibles, you're allergic to the kit. <laughs> <laughs> and to the Oval, so it works and, out good. And they are literally just Surrey, which isn't in London. So while, yes, I technically live closer to the Oval, at least London Spirit is a London team. That's good. the way I'm rationalising okay. it to myself. Um, I said in the chat just before we did this, they're, they're one of those teams, which which I like in this world, very much in the Rajasthan category of could either be quite good or just horrific. I mean, it could really go hard either way. Um, in theory, got Zach Crawley, pre-tests. Owen Morgan knocking around, which is the one sort of thing I'm clinging to, is this might make a team watchable. And we might may, maybe Owen Morgan's been reading the 100 rules and he's worked out how to tactically play 100 match more than anybody else has. Who knows? got Dan Lawrence knocking around in there again for the first couple of days. And then it'll be, it's just Muhammad Nabi, Joe Denley and Ravi Bopara. And my God, I mean, it it doesn't inspire confidence as a, as a short format game, but it could be quite fun. Bowling's a bit better, to be fair. I mean, not, not mass is better. In theory, Mark Wood and Muhammad Amir and Mason Crane are knocking around, which I'll take it at this point. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. The women's is a little bit better. You've got Heather Knight and Tammy Beaumont, um, which is fine. So Will, so Will, how big is that rivalry? You know, you're going to be at the uh, the Spirit Invincibles game with your Financial Times whacking it over a few people's heads, or <laughs> is it not going what? to the game? By I, this? I, going I was the game? I was just looking at tickets. Let me let me see when the Oval London Spirit Derby is. Let's I've do a little consumer advice as well while we're here. Yeah, there you go. How, okay, much, so a, how much is it costing? It's a Sunday afternoon and they're doing a men's and women's doublehead. You get there for 11, you get the women's game and then a little break for lunch, 2.30. London Spirit, Oval Invincibles, big derby. Maybe I will go. I'll report back. Can you give? Can you get us a price? Like, <laughs> that was the end of his consumer advice. <laughs> Worst consumer advice. There's a game happening. Well, they're, they're claiming it's £10 an adult ticket and like £5 for 16 to 20 or something like that. I've not, I've, that was a complete lie, but I've not made it up. I just read a preview where it's, it was an ECB quote saying we're making a massive deal out of low ticket prices. It's going to be £10 an adult. Just check them. Complete lie. £30 for that game. Wait, <laughs> wait is that all the most expensive tickets, though? Because I thought that when I first looked. Because it goes uh, uh, heading it's £16, £20, £30. That's, I'm, I'm, that's not bad, boys. 30 quid. Yeah, you're right. £16, I think, is our cheapest adult. For for two games, 200 deliveries. Yeah. Uh, you it's know, not bad. One annoying thing, uh, it, it would actually be 400 deliveries, Dan. But <laughs> he leaves after the women's yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not interested in the men's game, mate. I'm on. Um, like, this game was supposed to make maths easy, and I've, 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 it's made it harder for me. Bring back overs. 
one one thing I would say is that the annoying thing about the midweek games is that so the derby between Manchester and Leeds is uh, sorry Manchester and Northern is uh, starts at three the women's game starts at three thirty on a Thursday. So like the men's game starts at seven. So it's a bit like school, straight out of school, just straight from school to to straight from school. It's the summer holidays, isn't it? That's the whole point. It's the Uh, summer holidays. There you go. But well, I think (laughs) I think a bit of consumer advice is that is quite impressive ticket pricing. I think. Do you? Do we all agree on that? Sixteen quid. Sixteen's a bargain. Yeah, sixteen. It's not any. It's not any cheaper than the last game, really. Yeah, but other, yeah, they can't go. They also can't go bankrupt. Yeah. You know, they've got to make a bit of cash, haven't they? So my team, Birmingham Phoenix, sponsored by Butterkiss, my least favourite, which has wound me up because I just hate. I don't like popcorn. I don't. Like, I don't understand why people eat popcorn. Do you ever you just eat popcorn? Ever what, That's but, such a weird opinion. No, it's not. It's not a weird opinion. Like, who has popcorn out of a cinema environment? That's I just, I just never have it. Yeah, not very I often. Sometimes. To segue back to the cricket via snaps, no, no, though. No, that's that's it. That's the Birmingham Phoenix. No, Dan, Dan, I have I have I have a question for you about the hundred, which I think it, this this may or may not illustrate whether or not we care about the hundred or not. Okay. Dan, would you like to come to London on Friday, the twenty third of July, for a double header, women's and men's Birmingham Phoenix versus London Spirit? Oh yeah. Let, let's. There you go. We care. Race Play cares about the hundred. We gentlemen. care. My... I've got to get a train down, though. Could they not bring the game to me? <laughs> He's not going to come. <laughs> I've said that for, for pod content. I mean, I don't care about this team. I, I don't support Warwickshire because I only got into cricket like proper or county cricket when I was living in Brighton. So I support Sussex. Um, but I do like players on this team. So from the men's side, obviously all the Warwickshire players, as we've spoken about, got picked. So Wokes, Sibley. I mean, he'll take up all 100 balls on his own, I think, right? <laughs> Hopefully he gets caught up for the test squad and gets out of there. Moeen, the poster boy, he'll be great for that. And he probably won't get picked for the test side. Uh, he's great for Birmingham. He's great for the sort of the communities in and around Birmingham. So that's my one positive coming from Birmingham. Is I think they've got a good vibe about them. Whether it's the best team or not, I doubt that highly. Um, Imran Tahir has come in for Adam Zampa, who's not playing. Uh, Milne, is that, the, is that the New Zealand paceman? And then Finn Allen, who is the the West Indian? No, Australian. Another New Zealand, I think. Oh, yeah. gosh. I don't know. I, but he's, yeah, I don't know who he is, as you can tell, because I can't get his nationality right. Um, the women's side, uh, Amy Jones, Wong, Shafali. Is it Shafali Verma? No. Mm. Yeah, Shafali Verma. Um, looks to be better, though. So they're... They're, they're not as vibey as Moeen and, and Wokes, but they're definitely probably a better cricketing side. This is this is the team I'm most excited to watch from the women's side because you've got you've got because both both Izzy Wong and Emily Arlett play for Central Sparks in the Rachel Hayhoe Flint, and they're a decent opening pair. Izzy Wong is has openly said she wants to be the first woman to bowl 80 miles an hour, and Emily Arlett is a decent bowler as well. They're both young. I think they're both players that, like we said, with the local rising stars. These two could be the local rising stars, although Izzy Wong's from London. She's plays for Central Sparks, you know, so they could have been the local rising stars who these guys, who they could have marketed and said, these two are going to be England players in the future. We're going to hear a lot about them. I think that then with Shafali Verma as well, who could, you know, who we expect from her, you know, from this 17-year-old quite a lot, 
you know, I, I think she's probably going to take the world by storm. She's very exciting. I think they're all very exciting cricketers to watch. They might not be the best team because they're all young. And obviously Amy Jones is brilliant and she's she's got loads of experience in the big bash and stuff. But they're going to be exciting to watch at least. Well, that's got to be very positive to go down to a, a Birmingham Phoenix game. Um, yeah, I think they're exciting and the kit's all right. I've gone through the butter kiss thing, so I'm not going to go back to that. Um, so those are our four teams, the rain stop play members. Has Tim got a team, Glenn, or is, is he otherwise inclined to just to I not mean, my, my attack on the tournament has been the clean version of everything yes. Tim would have to say about okay. it. We, we, won't, we won't assign Tim a team. Anyway, that's yeah, the rain Welsh fire. Sorry, sorry, Tim. Well, he's, sorry, yeah, Tim. yeah loves, well, he's Welsh fire. He's Welsh, Welsh fire. fire. Yeah, Welsh fire. <laughs> um, the other teams to mention we have mentioned the Overland Invincibles who have got both the Currens Rory Burns Roy they have Saqib Mahmood though so that's a nice little that's a nice little one we like him Saqib Mahmood's clean he's cool he's a nice guy he bowls very well I, I, yeah I think they've got they've got one of the best squads like that bowling attack of Currens Mahmood Reese Topley and then Sunil Narayan and Sandeep Lamachani is you know pretty good uh, pretty handy that isn't it then ingram yeah. colin ingram in the batting order that's handy um the women's side fran wilson van niekirk from south africa she's very good so again i don't i don't know enough about women's cricket to know if they're any good or not zach can you help us out this this wasn't one of the teams that jumped out at me i'm not expecting them to be to be one of the best women's teams they've not got enough of the kind of english stars i don't think to stand out because yeah. there is still there is although it's getting better in women's cricket there is still kind of more of a gulf between the best players for england and the rest yeah i think so i think without those kind of big names they might struggle it'd be interesting to see you know some i'm sure there'll be some young players in there who you know might stand out and that, that's going to be a good thing for this tournament moving forward with the women's stuff is it should level the playing field a bit more in that sense. Yeah. And I mean, as you mentioned at the top as well, none of them are going away. There's, there's nothing else for them to do, which is perfect. It's how the hundred should be in an ideal world or any new tournament should be. Uh, Welsh fire. We spoke about them. They are a ready salted pack of hula hoop crisps. So well done to hula hoops for, for getting that one. I know it's, they're all owned by the same company, I think, hence the crisp thing. Um, Ollie, cause they're not a team. Well, I guess Glamorgan's the nearest county. Couldn't name any players from Glamorgan right now off the top of my head. David Lloyd, he's a Glamorgan player. Anyway, they've got Ollie Pope and Johnny Bairstow, both who will be going very quickly. They're both called up. Pope's currently injured, so Darryl will make the first few games and then he'll probably get fit and then caught up by England. So don't expect to see him in a Welsh fire kit anytime soon. Um, but they do have Tom Banton and Liam Plunkett, which is cool. Remember him? He's a nice guy. Uh, Jimmy Neesham and Case Ahmed. Uh, the two overseas I I noticed. What's their third one? Does anyone does anyone have it? Because I couldn't uh, I couldn't recognise them. I th- I think it might be on those two, and they've you know they're two players who've just been playing in the blast and haven't really lit it up. So perfect. Well, congratulations. Yeah, yeah Welsh fire looks, yeah. looks really quite bad, and I, I want them to do the worst because they've taken away you know good Somerset fans like yourselves. <laughs> they've ang- they've angered them. Um, but Sarah Taylor is playing for the women's team. She's come out of retirement for that. So that is very exciting. So keep an eye out for the, the Welsh Fire ladies to see how she gets on. I'm sure she's as good as ever. And then uh, Trent. Oh, Trent. Is that the last team, Trent? Uh, Trent and Manchester. Trent have Joe Root uh, and Rashid Khan, Alex Hale, Darryl Milan. This is a very strong, very strong men's side, I feel. Uh, we'll have Riaz and Darcy Short. 
are two of the overseas players' names I recognise. Wahabriaz won't be arriving until his visa is sorted, and instead they've got Marchant de Langer uh, replacing him because obviously he's he's in the country and is South oh, African. Right. Okay, yeah. so that's scraping the barrel a little bit. Is a it? little bit. I, I think. Sorry, fella. <laughs> I I'm not sure how I agree how with this team being that strong to be honest, especially because there's been talk of Milan getting back into the test size of Milan. That would be that would be peak squad. if that happened. That that would, that would be, be the nail in the coffin for Trent. Um, for the ladies, Nat Siver, Catherine Brunt, um, Glenn. Not Glenn. I can't remember her first name. Sarah Sophie Glenn. Glenn? Sarah Sarah Glenn. <laughs> I just had Glenn written down. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know you're playing Glenn. <laughs> Um, they're sponsored by Skips again. That was a nice. That's a nice one. I like that combo. And then finally, Manchester Originals, headed by Josh Butler, who will obviously be called up for the Test squad. Um, Phil Salt's in there. Matt Parkinson and Ollie Robinson just signed for them very recently. Um, I'm not seeing him play much 2020 cricket, so I don't know. I'm sure he's still as good a bowler. Um, overseas, Colin Munro, Lockie Ferguson, and Carlos Braithwaite or Brath- Brathwaite. Braithwaite. Um, that seems like a good overseas three. Because I've I've been struggling with the other ones to be honest. That seems pretty good. Uh, for the ladies, they have Harmon Pre Core, Sophie Eccleston. That seems like a good ladies team. Zach, are you in agreement there? I am. Yeah, they've got like a decent bowling attack. You know, Sophie Eccleston, arguably the best spin bowler in women's cricket. Kate Cross and Alexandra Hartley as well. You know, they're all pretty good bowlers who all I think all of them play for Lancashire in in, mm-hmm. in normal cricket. So yeah, they they play together quite a lot. Normal cricket. Who's to say the hundred isn't normal? Zach? Come on, we got we got to change our language around this. We're better than this. It's franchise cricket. Is That's what it better. Is. Right, as you can tell by the tone of my voice, I'm getting pretty bored of talking to all the teams because who cares? So should we sum it up a little bit, boys? Let's wrap this little hundred special up because it's been um, it's the talking point of cricket, isn't it? And it starts in a few days' time, and it's going to either do what T20 did to cricket in 2003. Or do what I don't know the T10 tournament Abu Dhabi did, and just sort of be a a wet skid mark across the 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 pants of cricket. I don't know, something like that. So what do we actually think is going to happen here? I I think, despite what I want it to do, it's just gonna it's just a bit cringe, and it's just gonna fall flat, and everyone's gonna see that and go, oh god, what's this? So just everyone's sort of clo- closing statements, please. I think if you're it- of the two, it's closer to the wet skid mark, but I don't think it's as much of a total flaming car crash as it threatened to be at times, especially after COVID killed it last summer. I think some of us genuinely thought we might not ever see this thing come back again. They have managed to recover, even when players of international players have had to pull out. They've had replacements who've just about sort of been good enough to fill a squad. Um, so I don't think it's a complete train wreck. I think it will it will come back next season. I think, which is which is the sort of lowest possible bar for it, but I think it'll clear it. And I think it probably will give us some entertaining cricket moments on the pitch. Now that you've all picked teams, it'll be a bit like IPL. Well, I, I will probably come on a podcast halfway through and rant about how horrific London Spirit have been, relying on Joe Denley to whip it for six. Uh, but, but I don't think it, it's not going to be the new T20 revolution. However, I think it will have one huge plus which they've put a lot of marketing into, but I think it's going to be genuine on the pitch. And that is that the women's cricket will be worth watching because even going through the list now, and obviously, you know, most of us have not been able to watch as much women's cricket as men's. We don't know a lot of these names, 
But even when you look through it, you go, okay, there's, there's like two or three per team who could all be quite good. They all look quite evenly matched. They managed to get those India women, which leads to, as you mentioned, Sophie Eccleston and Harmpreet Kaur playing on the same team, which is really interesting. So I think that could be the one where it ends up being a really good platform for those women players and something that, that more casual and old cricket fans who have never seen women's cricket that much before can can get something from. So that's the best I'm hoping for from it. Yeah, I think I agree on the women's front. I think we mentioned that at the top of the pod as well, is that that's something they're doing very well um, with how they're marketing this. Um, Glenn, your closing statements on the 100. I can tell you want to go back to bed, um, and that's fine. I did when I had what you have. Um, you came into this pod pretty negative on the 100. Has our chat, has our you know discourse given you anything to be hopeful for? Or are you coming out this podcast and into the tournament as, as you came into it this afternoon? No, no, I think I think it's been a really, really enjoyable chat. I think we've had a, a solid 20 minutes, you know, talking about the audience and the shortcomings with the ECB's approach to cricket, um, especially in communities that aren't white and affluent. I mean, that there is a huge gap in, in in cricket that needs to be filled. And if that if this can contribute in some way to, to, to building that bridge, I mean, that would be my net positive would be getting people to watching the sport as as uh, again cringe for want of a better word uh, this um, form of the game may uh, threatens to be I think if we're seeing different faces at the game that's oh, that is still a good thing for wider cricket and I think it elevates the women's game a lot um, I think yeah I, they might get a bounce from the restrictions being lifted I think that will it's probably uh, a good time for a tournament to be starting in terms of literally last week to, to next week is actually quite a difference in terms of who can be there. And yeah, I mean, I've still got my concerns. I've gone over them and I, I do still think that it threatens um, some other fabrics of the game. But I mean, if you're putting fans and communities first for that sake, let's just hope it goes all right. And yeah, I imagine like Will said, it probably will be here in next year. I'm intrigued, and um, I guess the I guess my bottom line is it's such an unknown. What is semi-exciting for me is that I have no idea how this is going to go. I've got no idea how many viewing figures are going to be, but the fans are going to be. They've got a split between obviously public and private TV. There is a lot to unpack, and I think our probably we'll probably do two more pods. Like probably our mid hundred review will be really interesting because it will show how accurate our discussion today has been. I think we're all going to learn something from this tournament, for better or worse. Yeah, well said. And I can't wait, as you said, to see how it all sort of pans out and how our opinions might change or stay the same for the next sort of well month as of uh, July th- uh, 21st. Uh, Zach, go on. Your closing arguments on the 100. How's it going to go? I I think, like Will said, I'm most, and like I said at the top of the, po- uh, the top of the podcast, I'm most excited about the women's game. You know, you don't get to see that many uh, women's domestic games on TV. You know, there was a, there's, you know, not many of the Rachel A. Flint trophy games get put on TV. The internationals do. So it means you don't get to see many of the players who just miss out and those up and coming players. So for that, I'm excited. I think, you know, it's a good opportunity for some of the players who've been doing well in the blast for quite a while and haven't really got, this is on the men's side, who haven't really got the chances with England. I think of someone like Joe Clark, who's been doing bits for knots this year. I think he's playing for Manchester Originals and players like that who've been doing really well in the Blast this season. So if they can have a really good hundred, then because I feel like in the Blast, you have to be doing well for like three seasons before they even consider you for England. And this always being on TV, the kind of suspected slightly higher standard because of the less teams will benefit those players. So I think for players overall, it's probably going to be a positive thing. 
I'm excited to watch it. I'm not, you know, I'm not overly keen, but you know, it, it's cricket on TV. I'm not going to complain. Yeah, that that's that's the sort of that's my bottom line. This is cricket on television. Therefore, I will probably watch. But yeah, I think we're all, you know, for listeners who don't know, we've accidentally recorded two podcasts back to back here, and um, I think we've all about had enough of the hundred and of cricket itself as well. So I think we'll wrap it up. Listen, we'd love to hear what you think about the hundred. Obviously, we've shared our four opinions today. Um, you know, do you like it? Do you hate it? Do you think it's going to be the experiment's going to work? Um, you know, get in touch. We'd love to hear what you think, and then you know how all our opinions might develop over the next month. And it's something new. It's something exciting. So we are definitely excited to watch. Right, Zach, you've you've written down who, who you think is going to do good this tournament. The rest of us haven't because we're knackered by the whole thing. But I'd, we'd love to hear what you think. Go on. <laughs> okay, so my men's winner is Southern Brave. I've gone for the bookies' favourite. Nice. Women's winner is Birmingham Phoenix. Just, you know, most fun. Uh, I'm, I'm <laughs> backing all of the youngsters to do the job. My top run scorer, men's, I've gone Jason Roy. I think he's just a classic player who isn't going to be playing for England, so it's just going to absolutely demolish some of these bowlers. Yeah. yeah, women's Tammy Beaumont for kind of much the same reasons. She's just been demolishing India, so I expect she'll demolish some of the lower standard of bowler. Wicket takers, uh, men's have gone for Saki Mahmood, been brilliant for England recently, and I can see him, you know, doing that, continuing that. And women's Izzy Wong, who plays for Birmingham Phoenix, who's, you know, England's next big star. So. Yeah. Nice. Well, the, thank you for doing that because I'm sure the listeners can use those predictions. Maybe put a bit of money on everywhere. You know, we're not we're not condoning betting, but if you are, and remember before you do put any bets on, Zach predicted a Pakistan three nil series win last week. So you take that little prediction there with a huge pinch of salt. Um, thank you though, Zach. Uh, right, boys, that'll about wrap it up there. Glenn, get well soon, mate. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. <laughs> Will, we'll see you soon. See you on the other side of the brave new world of the hundred. <laughs> <laughs> and Zach, any cricket this any cricket in the next week, Zach, that we can look forward to? I don't know. I don't oh, they no. haven't released the fixtures for the midweek stuff and I'm away at the weekend. Okay. So well, we'll see I'm not, not playing the weekend, yeah, so we'll see. Hopefully I get another get another go. Yeah. Well listeners will wait a bated breath, I'm sure. Um thank you very much for listening. Uh, enjoy the cricket and we will see you very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.